Welcome back, everybody, to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis podcast. I'm your host, David EJ Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. With me, as always, is my man Derek, uh, my number one tennis talking bro. Derek, welcome. What's up, everyone? It's been a little bit. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Derek underscore sucks. Uh, we're glad to be back. We had a couple 1,000 events that we ran through. And we got this whole Winston-Salem thing that <laughs> I don't know who's watching it, but we're going to touch on that. I've been watching it, Derek. I've been, uh, it's primetime Carlitos all week, man. I don't know what you've been doing, but uh, it's been great. Yeah, it seems like when Carlitos is the person to watch at a tournament where Busta is the number one seed, I'm kind of like, okay, I might take a little break this week. And then we got a, a huge couple weeks coming up, though. Uh, yeah, to say the least. Uh, it's been a minute since we've been on the podcast, Mike. Uh, last time we recorded was before the Washington ATP stop, uh, the 500 that saw Nadal go down. We'll touch on that. But a quick intro, if you've never heard this podcast before, we are a tennis podcast, but we are coming from a gambling perspective. That's our main driver, our main focus of this podcast. But that said, I would say we're more, we're about 70% tennis talk and 30% gambling talk so we're not coming at it with the uh we need 50 likes for a free play attitude <laughs> um this is about uh being a part of the tennis community and uh we, we like to gamble on tennis and, and view it that way but uh we very much just enjoy talking tennis so uh if you're for first time tuning in uh welcome and um hopefully you enjoyed the conversation because uh i think you'll find a nice blend of styles and <laughs> and maybe a different viewpoint on the sport than uh, some other podcasts as uh, I'm fairly new to tennis-ish uh, and uh, I, I don't have the uh, some of the old school trappings. I'm not, I guess I'm not like um, locked up by them. Pretty free to speak about the sport any which way I want to. Yeah. Um, as for myself, I've been watching tennis just a little bit longer. So I'm still hanging on to guys like Monfils and Songa and a little bit of Andy Murray. I know I'm being partial, and uh, when it comes to the betting side of things, you know what? Uh, I'll say it how it is. <laughs> Those guys are not to be relied upon, but still got love for the game. Absolutely, Derek. And uh, the way this works is we typically look back at the tennis that was, and then we look ahead to the tennis that will be. Starting out with the tennis that was, let's dial it all the way back to the beginning of the month in August, the Washington stop of the ATP Tour. In D.C., we had some pretty great calls on the podcast. First and foremost, with putting a sprinkle on Lloyd Harris over Rafa Nadal, which was a thrilling match. Nadal actually went the distance uh, the match before that, I believe, as well. So he was on the struggle, struggle train uh, right out of the gate in that tournament. And uh, our call to just put a little bit out there because we don't know how healthy Rafa is uh, came to fruition. Yeah, that was a really weird tournament for him i mean he was obviously got a buy in the first round and then he faced off against jack sock in the second round and people were saying that that was just a phenomenal performance by jack sock don't get me wrong he looked pretty damn good in there taking rafa to three sets ended up going to a third set tie break which wasn't very close at all but that rest of that match that really showed that Jack Sock could possibly go back to his form where he's a former what ATP final champion. That guy's, but he's also 
not very good still. <laughs> He's still Jack Sock that, that we have all come to know over the past few years. Do you see him like extending this um, success? Well, the thing about Sock is uh, it was a nice little run of North American tournaments to kind of get a groove, get a form. Mm-hmm. I think that helped a lot. Uh, he was, came from Atlanta uh, before Washington and you know, the short travel for him. So I, I think that a um, little bit of stability, a little bit of uh, home cooking helped him. And uh, yeah, I don't know what my long-term outlook on Sock is, although once we get to the U.S. Open draw, I did pick him to win his first round match. So uh, Sock is a guy I don't ever want to bet on, but he is someone no. that sucks to bet against because he can win. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like he's been trying to find his footing for a while now and that's like his thing it's like i I don't know he just tries to find his footing and then he disappears and then they're like oh it's jack socks back he's gonna try and find his footing and then he's just gonna disappear again Uh, i mean u.s opens around the corner as in starting tomorrow and he's in the draw let's see what he does but uh let's go back to rafa though i mean well real quick though i want to say about sock he does look like someone who subscribes to chet hanks's white boy summer Um, (laughs) or like he looks like he listens to a lot of jack harlow i'm just guessing um yeah no flannels for uh jack sock over there (laughs) but uh but uh yeah that's all i want to say i just want to dunk him a little bit (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't bring up Jack Sock without dogging on Jack Sock. So we got that in. He's uh, bigger than both of us. He can beat the crap out of both of us. Um, but maybe we can light a fire under, fire under his ass so he can perform like how he used to be. But his forehands look great. But obviously, uh, Rafa's got one of the best damn forehands in the freaking world. And uh, it kind of sucks that he just he just took taking the rest of the year off. Like I would actually just love to see him even play the ATP final, playing against those guys again, just the the top eight dudes, and and just trying to fight his way through that. That was fun to even watch him last year. He's not very good at the indoor hard courts, which was what the case was in um, in London for the however long that it's been there for the ATP final. It's moved to like turn this year. So might have been a different format for him and could have excelled there. I, I just wish that he was playing because, you know, we need somebody to, to stop Djokovic. I think what's annoying for me about Nadal not playing is that he claims to be hurt and then he's either on vacation. Uh, <laughs> not either. He's, he's just on vacation. He's mm-hmm. on a yacht. Um, he announced um, he wasn't going to play the rest of the year. And then three days later, he was vacationing with Dwayne Wade. Uh, so uh, <laughs> was he really? <laughs> yeah. I see that photo on Instagram. Of, like, I didn't see that. Was he on was, the banana boat with him or what? No, <laughs> he was, <laughs> it wasn't a banana boat. I mean, I believe yeah. it was a recent picture, but it was like someone in like Dwayne Wade's camp, his Instagram. And it was like Dwayne Wade and Rafa together. <laughs> to Wayne Wade and Rafa together, not the likely duo. It didn't um, seem like a throwback. It seemed like a current photo, so I, I could be wrong. Um, it's like the exact opposite of the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I would love to see Nadal 
come back in the fold and at least push Novak uh, for this, you know, the coveted 21 spot. Yeah. The slam total run, but uh, we'll see. I also want, before we move on from Washington, which we should, I just want to mention, we also nailed Yannick center. You, we both had him in the finals, but you had him winning it and he pulled it off. Uh, congrats to young goat Yannick center. Yeah. Whoop, whoop on me, uh, but bigger whoop, whoop for center. He's, back in the title column again i mean that guy's he's unstoppable i mean he's just like a little silent assassin too he's just like seems like he has like a quiet demeanor he's not exactly a flashy player but i mean he just gets out there he does what needs to be done he's like a a business type player like i feel like him guys like ugo those guys just go out there and they just handle business they they put all the distractions aside and they just focus on tennis and they're just little young chaps and who knows what the hell's in store for them. Yeah. I feel like Yannick, uh, he just finds winners and, uh, which is <laughs> tough for a lot of guys to do. I think, I feel like a lot of guys get trapped in forehand, backhand rallies and just kind of getting it back over the net. And, uh, Yannick's able to, just squeeze it in differently than I see a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, you're a big fan of those young Italians. Yeah. I mean, your boy Musetti's lost what five straight now at this point, which is, I don't know. It's unheard of throughout the entire tour, especially for somebody that's like ranked that high, but center is absolutely just running with this torch for Italy. Oh, absolutely. Um, he didn't fare too well, though, in the next two tournaments, which were both 1,000 events, which would have been huge wins if he had kind of parlayed that momentum from uh, Washington into these tournaments. But I, I feel like, I don't know, it's like you, have, you, you just come off the biggest one of your career the U.S. Open is in your foresights. It's almost like you want to just make sure you're healthy at the end of the month versus pushing yourself uh, in this long August grueling heat. <laughs> I mean, all of these, both of these tournaments this month, or all these tournaments this month look torturous in terms of the heat on the court. So, uh, and I feel like that's been factoring in a little bit uh, as well. Yeah, the scheduling is just uh, slammed this like over the past month, just leading up to the U.S. Open. I mean, you had two 1,000 tournaments, which were only a week long each. Um, it's in the grueling East Coast American heat. And then you got the U.S. Open, which is the tournament you're really worrying about. And if you get one win out of there and you win or lose two, even if you lose two quickly, that actually might be a positive going into the U.S. Open, you know? Like, I mean, Sinner didn't even play Winston-Salem, um, but it's like he has to take a break. And Novak, look at him. He didn't even play any of the three. And then these guys are busting their balls just trying to get through these other three tournaments, and who knows what's left in the tank. And you got Novak, who's probably has been sitting at home doing yoga this whole time, just saving all of his energy and making sure he can do the – the splits out there and then uh, i mean i i hope it it 
he, the lack of experience or the lack of play for him over the last couple weeks, few weeks, has uh, a negative effect on him going into the U.S. Open. Obviously, we'll find out. And obviously, he's Novak Djokovic, and he's capable of beating anybody on any specific day. But uh, I don't know. I, I hope that the confidence that Sinner got there and the confidence that Med got in Toronto from winning is going to carry over to the U.S. Open to try and take down this dude that's trying to go for his fourth Grand Slam of the year. Yeah, I do wonder if Novak hadn't flamed out at the Olympics like he did. Because uh-huh. it feels like he, he's butthurt. No, I shouldn't say. It feels like he's like... uh it feels like he's being a baby, as he's often accused of being. And hiding quote away. Jeannie Bouchard. Yeah, to quote Jeannie Bouchard. Uh, and hiding away versus prepping for the USO. I wonder if he had won the Olympics, if he shows up to Cincinnati instead of just shutting it down. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. It's like, even if you look at Rafa's perspective, like we were just saying, like he just lost to Lloyd Harris and what in his second match and then didn't even play Washington. He just bowed out of that. I don't know if he saw that he was going to line up against Lloyd Harris again. It was like, no, I'm not losing this dude two times in a week. But yeah, it seems like wins kind of keep you going. And when you doubt your body, and you're not getting wins, then that doubt becomes into confidence that you just can't play. And for Novak, maybe he was just drained. He had a lot of matches, obviously, going into the Olympics. And ugh, I don't know. He just felt like the best way for him to win the U.S. Open is to take some time off, just like what Ralph is doing to possibly come back for the AO, you know? Yeah, well, he was the reigning champ in Cincinnati, too, and uh, it's it's a $6 million tournament. So, <laughs> I mean, he's left a lot of money on the table not mm-hmm. doing it. Not that money at this point in his career is probably the biggest driver, but at the same yeah. time, it's not, not a driver. <laughs> um, so, uh, but real quick, I wanted to, my, I have a couple points I wanted to point out for the Toronto tournament, which is a little bit in the review now, but that was – uh, Servbot City with uh, Isner and Opelka both reaching the semis. Isner beating uh, Rublev on the way. Opelka beating uh, Sitsipas in the semis to reach the final to lose to Medvedev. But I I feel like heading into the USO, you know, let's not forget those guys had a lot of a lot of success on North American hard court uh, in very recent memory. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I just love the whole tennis Twitter bot movement. And then I really also love just like the millennial vibe in tennis, just taking the social media stuff (laughs) just to the actual, like to the mainstream, like just talking about bots on, on camera. And he's even writing bot just after the, after the match when he has to write something on that camera, I like that was just hilarious. I mean, that, w- that was a good interpolation of just social media and the actual broadcast of tele or of tennis. So props to that. That was very enjoyable. And I mean, you say what you want about just the whole bot movement. 
But Opelka ripped. I mean, he looked better there than I have ever seen him before. His backhand, it was actually almost stunning. I won't say stunning because it wasn't stunning, but for him. You're you're governing the the stunning. Yeah, it it was pretty good. I mean, he showed a different side of his game that we've never seen before. I was like, oh, he's not so one-dimensional. I think he's less one-dimensional than Isner is. But at that tournament, you're just kind of like, you know what? Like, he, he's going to upset these people. And you're just kind of like, he's going. He keeps going. And then he just made it to the final. Like, props to Opelka. So, you think he's going to carry that on or what? It was a different game that he showed is basically what I was saying. So, I don't know if you saw it like, or you perceive that it's going to keep on going or... I'm pretty hot and cold with cold. I'm pretty hot and cold with Opelka. I I feel like at times, you know, he had a little bit of uh, a run in the clay season where I wanted to be like, oh, he's turning a corner, and then he just he I think he lost the first round of Wimbledon, which uh-huh. granted it was a surface change and everything, but you, you know, just you think he's just a guy when you think he's got a little bit of momentum going and you want to back him, he loses. So. I would like to see a little bit more consistency from him before I truly buy in in terms of, you know, beating players that he probably should beat and not uh, losing to randos. Um, <laughs> not necessarily randos, but, you know, guys uh, who he, he should, should be able yeah. yeah, he should be able to beat. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I you know, I, I, I actually don't know how deep I have him going. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, in USO, but I do have him winning a, ma- winning a match, I believe. Yeah, you're right about the whole turning the corner thing. He it seems like he's always turning a corner, but instead sometimes he just makes a U-turn instead, you know? Yeah, I also want to say too about Isner. I, I saw a little bit of his match against Rublev from the like POV of Rublev. And mm-hmm. it's not even just the speed of Isner serve. That thing comes in like super high. Like the <laughs> Oh yeah, like, he's got a kick to that thing. Yeah. And uh you, you know it's I feel like uh, most of the time his serve, you know, gets the love for the speed, but there's actually a little bit of diversity in terms of its its depth on the court and its height on the court that goes a bit unmentioned. So we, we dog Isner a, a fair bit, deservedly so. He's, he's a, <laughs> kind of a MAGA bro douche at times. Um, so I want to give him some love, though, for showing out. And you know what? I heard him in a presser after he beat Rublev. Yeah. And um, he's right. I mean, people want to doubt him, and he's been playing great, uh, you know, the second half of this season. So uh, you can't really take a lot away from John right now. No, I actually enjoy his interviews. Uh, It's weird because I don't like him as a person, but I do enjoy listening to him talk. He has great insight. Um, He's pretty articulate, and he does defend himself pretty well and he knows he's kind of a one-trick pony but he knows how to handle that in terms of actually beating other opponents yeah and then real quick uh with the western and southern open in cincinnati i think the big thing for me from that is obviously zverev accusing Sitsipas of getting coached uh yelling at him in the semifinals uh about the prolonged bathroom break <laughs> um I don't know. It's kind of interesting because the top going into this tournament, the top players on tour and the top seeds 
in this tournament all kind of have negative they all have negative <laughs> they all have negative uh stories circling around them that it's tough outside of medvedev not medvedev he he seems a little bit clean but you know with zverev sitsipas novak mm-hmm. those guys all have a little i'm not gonna say black clouds but you know they're not exactly someone that you want to just go out and rally yourself around at this point yeah they definitely have some negative media uh but it's like i felt like that was the first time i've rooted for Zverev in a very long time i like and i trust me i do not want to root for Zverev whatsoever and i was just very heated about this whole coaching that Sitsipas is trying to initiate and i've said it on here before like i feel like that guy could be a pretty good player if his dad didn't coach him i feel like it's what's holding him back you can kind of see it that he's just not mentally there when he just hits more balls into the stands than i feel like anybody on tour and you don't do that because you're not good because he's there i mean there's no one that's just bad enough on the tour to actually just hit balls like that and just hit souvenir ones and he just loses his head in the middle of the point and then he just smacked these balls wide and i don't know it's like he feels like probably the only way he can win is if his dad were to help him out point to point and i like the whole conversation of should coaching be legal because i personally don't think it should be i think that tennis is just a a mono mono game and like you've you think about chess, it, this game is a chess match, but it, like in literal chess, you can't get coached. And this is essentially that, I think. I mean, some other people think it's like, oh, there's coaching in every other sport. You're in basketball, football, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, those are team sports, but it's like you're putting a, in a gladiator ring against somebody else. And you got to navigate your way out of this. And if you can't navigate your way out of this, then personally, I don't think that you got what it takes to be a good tennis player. I'd like to see coaching. I don't know. I don't really Oh, you'd like to see, uh, I'd like to hear your point. <laughs> yeah. You no, think it's I just, better for I, the game or? I, I just, I, I mean, what what's the point of having your team there? So, and just having them sit on their hands, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. It's just like you already have. It would be one thing if they didn't have it already set up, where like, you know, what I mean, like the, all of their like guys yeah. are right there on the court. So it's just kind of. Yeah, weird I that get they, that. They can't do anything about it. I don't know. They can only but, provide encouragement. I mean, uh, on the tennis channel, Andy Roddick made a very good point in my eyes. He said, like, from an economical standpoint, a lot of players, I guess, like outside of, I don't know, let's just say like the top twenty-five they don't have the funds to have a full-time coach. And so those coaches actually coach multiple players on tour. So if you coach multiple players on tour, then that means that they can't as a coach can't be at every single match for all those players. So it's kind of like one of those hold the rich, get richer in this terms, like the best players get better because they have more luxury in terms of, having a coach there by their side all the time. So I think there's that. He also mentioned that these uh, coaching violations that Sitsipas is getting, he thinks that that should carry over match to match. 
And I found that pretty interesting too, because I feel like they're taking advantage that you just get a warning if he gets a coaching violation in a single match, like, but he can do that every single match. So it's like, how many warnings are, do you see in like from other players for coaching violations? It's like pretty much zero, but Sitsi Poss is basically known for that. If you ask anybody like who gets coaching violations, you automatically would just say Sitsi Poss. You're like, oh, well, Serena got it once, but you're like, I've seen Sitsi Poss get it like five times. So I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm taking advantage of the rule right there. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question as uh, a lot of sports uh, rules evolve over time. You look at the NCAA now paying student, allowing student athletes to get paid. uh, So not that that's a one for one, you know, comparison Mm -hmm. or scenario, but uh, just these sports, they they grow and they evolve. And especially as uh, new generations of players come along. So. I don't really have a dog in the coaching or no coaching fight. I am relatively new to my tennis uh, degenerate uh, status. So uh, I, I'm not coming in from a traditionalist uh, viewpoint. Uh, so I don't, it's kind of like people being like, there shouldn't be a DH in national league uh, base. Yeah. National league in, the, in the, in the national league and major league baseball. Uh, I, I mean, okay. I don't know. Is it really worth a pitcher? Pit? <laughs> Is it really yeah. worth a pitcher swinging every time. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I'm usually not a Puritan about anything, and I feel like for tennis, for some reason, I'm like, no, I think the game's perfect as it is. And so, I, I mean, know. ultimately, I think as a fan and a consumer, I want to see the best product. I do feel like there's a pathway where coaching could lead to a better product, mm-hmm. um, longer matches, uh, more competitive matches. So, uh, I think there's a case uh, both ways. But yeah. uh, real quick, uh, the last tournament before the USO was Winston-Salem. It is Winston-Salem. It's currently happening. The final is happening as we're recording right now between uh, Ivashka and Emer. Uh, Michael Emer, not his brother, Elias, who actually has been playing pretty well over the last month for him. Yeah, I noticed that. Looks like uh, Ivashka is throwing the hammer down he's up a set and a break in the second set uh actually emer hasn't even uh i was gonna say that first set was the one pretty damn fast uh yeah he got bageled and he's currently getting but he hasn't won a game yeah i mean you no know, i me- i wanted to bet the under on this because i emer <laughs> hadn't had the hardest road he beat tiafo he beat 18 year old carlos alcaraz who i, I think that's my big thing i want to talk about is him uh regarding this tournament um so i'm it's his first ever final i don't think he's that great of a player i think he has improved i think he's actually won he beat carlos at the ao i want to i believe earlier this year so he he's winning matches and slams he's not terrible uh congratulations to him for making a final this time i did kind of think he was going to get beat down by a surging of Ashka, who's been one of the hottest players of the summer. Yeah, so you got the 18-year-old. He's got a title under his belt, which gives him more than Felix Ojeali to see him. <laughs> All right, so what do you think he's going to actually become a household name for households that watch tennis? I think 
I think for tennis fans, he's already his name is already on the lips. I think in terms of mainstream tennis people mm-hmm. or mainstream mainstream sports audience, it's gonna take yeah. going deep into a major. Um, because most people don't watch tennis until deep into majors anyway. Yeah. So uh, for him to penetrate uh, that, uh, for him to get a higher Q rating, it's going to take him doing well in a major. That said, um, I mean, the guy's forehand is punishing. Yeah. He was just making mistakes last night. He was missing by fractions. He he? He was on. He, um, had great defense. He hit some returns that I was very surprised. I think uh, Carlos just punished one into uh, the corner, and Emer got it. And I don't think Carlos expected him to get it. And um, that was when he was trying to come back in the second set, and uh, he just couldn't get over the hump to to get even into break point uh, status in that second set. So good for Emer. I here's what I, I tweeted this out from our account last night. I my thing with Carlos, it was a great week. I loved watching him in prime time all week. Uh, and also kind of a bad spot for a pretty awesome tournament. Um, under the radar, low key, cool tournament. Um, I like the setup they have at, at wake for it's at wake forest and, uh, university there. I mean, they must have a decent tennis program because their grounds are immaculate. Uh, when they do the overhead, that's what I, I, we talked about. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, just an underrated element of being a tennis fan is all these, is all the beautiful scenery you get <laughs> yeah. um, from these overhead shots of uh, these tournaments and these international locations. Um, America, not always known as uh, the most beautiful place, but uh, some pretty solid sunset shots uh, in Winston-Salem this year or this, yeah, this week. And hey. um crowd was very into it i would say the crowd was one of the more livelier crowds um at times this month you know especially it was way better than atlanta which atlanta was like dead zone there was no fan participation really there so and they got some good tennis i think they had you know busta went pretty deep so they got to see him he's a you know u.s open semifinalist um last year we got to see young carlos Ivashka is an up-and-coming player right now. So, it was, I, overall, I, I have to say, like, I I don't know where it typically lands on a traditional calendar. As I said, I'm relatively new to tennis, but I do think that the calendar is a bit. Um, I I assume it happens around now, but it's a shame um, that it uh, was just kind of squeezed in here right before the USO when most players are kind of taking it easy and a bit of a footnote of a tournament. Yeah, it kind of gave this whole thing a little bit of a bumper spot for uh, between two one thousands back to back for two weeks, and then you need some sort of just a little bit of space between those grueling tournaments, even though they were only one week each. Uh, but you need something like a little bit of space before a two week slam, you know. So that's where that came in. But yeah, props to those fans for showing up. Uh, what was it? That first match was sold out between Murray and Kyrgios slash Noah Rubin after Kyrgios backed out. <laughs> uh, also, I want to give a shout out to Noah Rubin for being a kind of an asshole, but making solid points about the whole lucky loser situation. I mean, that guy, he just had to play a match one hour after he lost his qualifier 
and then had to basically be forced to play Andy Murray right after that and then just get torched. Uh, I think he lost 6-2-6-0. And then he just basically let out his frustrations on Twitter. Uh, He made solid points on Twitter. You can tell he was a little sour about it with Kyrgios taking the round one money and then him just taking the qualifier money, which I believe is unfair. Um, But no, Ruben, yeah, uh, he's a good dude. Um, Hopefully they change the rules by that, by the way. I mean, we love Kyrgios, but I feel like that whole scenario of just players showing up even though they know they were going to retire and they would get more money if they, they claim an injury right before the match, rather than just backing out of the tournament. And that's like a thing that I think needs to change. Uh, Roundage did that, I believe at Wimbledon or uh, the French, one of the two. And it's kind of like, it's just like a little thing that people, just don't really look at it and it just flies under the radar. And then these players are able to get away with it and just taking home more money in their pocket, even though they had zero intentions of playing. So yeah. Uh, Noah Rubin, like I said, complained a little bit, but he has a solid point. I don't know. I think the ATP should change that and the WTA as well. Yeah. Well, Curios uh, pulls out hurt. Another guy who pulled, you know, Claims being hurt, and then he had a Q&A in New York like three days later with Racket Magazine. So he's so hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he's able oh, to man. go out and drink some PBRs in fucking Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, he's got a round one matchup against Batista Agu. So uh, don't tell me who you got winning that one, but can't wait to hear what you say. Well, with that, that's a good segue, Derek. Uh, let's talk about the U.S. Open. We're the freaking Grand Slam. It's, it feels yeah. good to be back to five sets. Let's freaking do this. Let's do this. We're moving to the tennis week that will be, and a couple of weeks that will be, U.S. Open 2021. Let's do this. All right, so how this is going to work is uh, we're going to walk through the first round, look at the odds, and uh, pick a side uh, where we can. Some of these matches are are obviously going to be a little bit uh, wonky in terms of the odds. So we'll look for spots that uh, to make plays. Uh, also, Follow us on our Twitter. We should have said this at the beginning of the show uh, at MP9 Tennis. We do a free plays board, which is now above 500. It's been down for a little bit. Uh, I've been a bit moving. No one cares. It just hasn't been up, but it will be up most days during the USO, if not every day. So we are a little bit above 500 and we're going to keep that rolling into this week and yeah, let's get going. Let's, let's maybe maybe let's uh, do some live board plays. Uh, I'll write it down and I'll I'll go right to the board with these afterwards. I'm down with that. All right, all right. so all right, Derek, you want to start with Novak, uh, the top seed here, and, and work down his bracket. Okay, so Novak's uh, playing Rune. Uh, I don't need to say who I'm gonna pick on that one. I mean, I could have made a joke there, but it would have been a crappy joke. So let's just move on. Novak, right there. For anyone wondering what Novak's future odds are, he is a minus 150 to win the whole tournament. Um, right under him, we got Greek Spore versus Struf. I personally have Struf going on. Um, let's see. We got Caruso. Well, hold, versus... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, let's talk about Holger Rune for a minute. The guy is on fire. Let's give him some love. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, he's like, he's won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, about 14 matches in a row, uh, including challengers. Uh, he won. Let's see. Um, including challengers is a pretty big asterisk, well, especially still, if you're playing that number one player in the world. And yeah, well, including three in a row to qualify to get into this thing. Now, let's not forget the Wimbledon round one where Jack Draper won the first set against Novak. Similar uh, archetype that. to Rune as uh, a teenager sponsored by Nike. Yeah. Uh, or just a teenager on the tour. I don't know that uh, I want to play the games over here because. I, I I also know these guys, I believe, are familiar with each other. So I don't know if it's Novak's going to just completely eviscerate this kid, like 6'2", 6'2", 6'2". I, I think it might be worth a sprinkle on the game's over because just out of sheer fun, for if you're looking for something to bet on this match uh, and and have some fun rooting for Brune, who he got in a little bit of controversy for negative uh, language. Maybe some <laughs> yeah slurs but yeah. uh <laughs> i forget what it was specifically but he, he he said something derogatory about a certain group of people i don't want to get into that but uh he is a, an up-and-coming player that uh you know this is a great spot to watch him at, at a slam see how he does yeah when you say they're familiar with each other are they practice with each other or what are they just i think so you? and i don't know i just saw fo- someone share a photo of them like hugging and something so uh, okay yeah i know Novak tries to get a little cushy with these young and uppercomers. I don't know if he does that for his own uh, like benefit to try to see what the ins and outs of these players are in case he were to show up or like face off against these guys and then have to uh, use that to his advantage or if he actually is genuinely a nice guy. I think it's the former of the two. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty... Um shot me with Fokina, Davidovich Fokina. I think they practice a lot. So yeah. he, he has a, a history of, uh, you're right, of hanging out with these young guys. All right. The Greek spore match, you, you picked Struf, going back to that. Mm-hmm. Are there odds up for this? I kind of like, uh, I like Struf. I think he's a pretty solid player. Now I watched Struf lose to, or I listened to Struf on HB radio, lose to Fonini, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, and he was just like engaging too much with him at the baseline. Basically, he wasn't like moving the ball around enough. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about Greek Spore, a player that kind of I'm not I'm not super familiar with, but I have seen go toe to toe with Rude on Hardcore and Acapulco, I believe. Um, let me see Struve. Yeah, Farnidi in Toronto. Uh, Struff lost uh, in three sets. Um, I think this is going to be a tough out for Struff. I would look at a, a game's over. I don't know. They don't have the odds up for this, but uh, I, I could see this going four to five sets. I, I don't think Struff is uh, clean sweeping this. No, I don't think so either. I think Greek Spore, uh, I mean, either of those two, like if whoever wins that, I this is not a three-set match. No way. So that might actually be a board play. I'm going to write that down. I don't know. This is... All right. Then we got... Um... According well, to t- Bet365, by the way, 
Uh, Struth's a minus 400. Minus 400? Yeah, that's insanely high. Wow. I actually would I would actually throw half a unit on Creekspore at that and price. And sets on Unibet, like uh, three and a half. The over is minus 137. Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I mean, I wish it was like 120. Mm-hmm. But... Me too. Maybe Bovada has got them lower or other books. I don't know what the listeners bet on if they do bet. But yeah, I don't know. That's MGM or something might have uh, MGM or Barstool or um, what's the other big one? FanDuel, DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Where, I, I, how, how did we not have? Oh, here it is. I found it. Uh, over under 36 and a half games. So that's basically like, yeah, over three sets. So you, get, you got minus 115. So, yeah. So, and then Greek Spore is a $2.80 underdog plus 280. Struve Friday at minus 345. Hmm. I like the over. I don't. Struff probably will win that out, but I think the Greeks for has a decent serve and can hang in and maybe get a set. I don't think Struff is. He doesn't really scare me. No, I, I don't think that's a lights out victory for Struff at all. All right, well, so. let's move on to uh, Caruso versus K Nishikori next. Uh, I got K moving on. He's showing that he's a little better these days. I mean, he made it to the semis at Washington. He lost yeah. to Mackie McDonald there, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we've discussed on this pod before that he's not consistent, but I mean, history shows that he can still ball and recent history shows that he can sometimes ball. Yeah, he's about an $8 favorite right now at minus 800, so let's, <laughs> let's keep him moving. Uh, we got... David Goffin, Goffin versus Mackenzie McDonald, the red hot Mackenzie McDonald, who center beat in the finals in Washington to win that ATP 500 we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I took Mackey strictly based upon his very recent performance at Washington. Same. Yeah. And Goffin is a, a very solid player. One of the fastest dang guys on tour. But like I said, Mackie's got that recent performance. And what do you got? I mean, Mackie versus Nishikori, which is a rematch of that Washington semifinal. Yeah, but hold on a second now. McDonald's coming in at a minus 265, which gives me a significant Ooh. amount of pause. <laughs> um, because. That's... Yeah, you think that's a sucker's bet or what? I mean, they're ba- they're hardcore. They're, they're really baking in his recent play into that price against. Uh, I mean, Goffin yeah, has time. sucked this year, so don't get me wrong. But at plus two, <laughs> at plus two fifteen versus McDonald, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Goffin on the surface is a better player than Mackie McDonald. I for sure think that. Yes, if we're in a vacuum, I would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, recent play, like you said, it's baked in heavily. That thing is over 
overcooked maybe or what oh extremely overcooked he, he mcdonald should be maybe minus 170 versus scuffin okay yeah if, in my opinion all right. Just because, like, Goffin can win matches. Like, that's that's the thing. It's he like, can. I feel yeah. like you need he can to beat. He can't beat anyone, but he can. T- he he definitely beat Mackie McDonald. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he's an American college tennis player. You know, he's 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 obviously playing his way above that right now, uh, into that um, you know, better in ATP tour type. But uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, neither of us sounds like we can put like a solid feel on this thing. So, I mean, I'm moving on McDonald, but uh, I'm definitely not playing that. No. All right. So let's move on. We got Karatsev versus Munar. We've no. obviously been very hesitant on taking Karatsev lately. Yeah. What a fall. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, beating Munar is not going to be a like a get right win. I still think he's going to win, but. Ugh, yeah, I don't know. He's not as reliable as we've seen him been at the beginning of the season. Moonar can be tough. I mean, he's more of a clay guy, obviously, but mm-hmm. he, he is, you know, someone that's uh, a professional tennis player. You know, he's not a straight up <laughs> like loser. Yeah, there's some people on here that was like, who are these people? But yeah, yeah, Moonar is um, not one of them. Karatsev uh, has sucked all summer. He's been terrible. He hasn't done For anything. Sure. No, uh, yeah. Especially to be like, he's minus 360 right now against Munar, which that's still to me like baking in his pre, his early 2021 playing status. I mean, if this was a, a calendar year ago, this would be way closer. Yeah, he wouldn't even be in the draw. So, so I'm know. still taking Karatsev here. Yeah, moving Karatsev on, but uh, if you're looking for a play, I might, I might consider the over 35 games. He might drop a set. You never know. It's kind of a stay away match to me. I feel like Karatsev should move on easily, but the guy's been a, a bit unpredictable in terms of his level of play. Yeah, I, I dig the over in that. Then uh, right. we got Jordan Thompson taking on uh, Major Ma- or Bogger. Major taking on Major. Uh, Thompson, I assume, is a pretty heavy favorite here. Yeah, he's coming in at minus 290. So this is what we were saying before. Uh, if you're not that familiar with tennis, although if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. But uh, minus 290, which Thompson has uh, been a guy who's been hanging out here in North America for a while now. He played Los Cabos. He's played Atlanta. He's been doing the the north american hardcore circuit i assume in prep for this tournament uh, i moved him on uh and uh the price i, I don't want to i'm not obviously i wouldn't take him as a leg in a parlay or anything <laughs> no definitely <laughs> which is not. about all you would want to do at minus 290 but uh i did move thompson on yeah i saw he's been hanging out with curios too so he's probably just doing pickleback shots and billy berg just some gnts as we speak. And- yeah, yeah some GNTs and uh, <laughs> DMing some underage girls. Um, <laughs> He's like, no, I don't do that. <laughs> only to play doubles. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this is where it gets interesting because we have uh, red hot young American Jensen Brooksby coming off uh, a very successful late July, early August run, taking on uh, 
Winston-Salem semifinalist, Michael Emer, who's getting smoked right now as we yeah. record, bagel in the first set. Uh, Brooksby coming in at... It's got to be a favorite here. He's coming in at minus 260. That feels high, but also a little bit right, considering <laughs> Emer is getting smoked right now and he's just played a long week uh in north carolina yeah nothing like getting burnt out at winston salem right before <laughs> a slam yeah you know i also feel like brooksby has been building towards this moment so it's hard for me to believe that he's not gonna do what he can to pull this out he's such a weird tennis player you just watch him you're like what is he good at and you just He's the only thing he's good at is winning and Pull, yeah, pulling out shots out of nowhere that you don't expect. I, I was like, I don't know what he's good at. Like he, he's not even good at wearing t-shirts that fit him. <laughs> okay. Well, what's up with the white shirt? Cause the, the white shirt is just oversized and then all of his other shirts fit. But then he's like, I am the guy that wears the big white t-shirts. And I don't know. I, I guess I had to rip on him for something, but He's a good player. I don't know why he is, and it seems like nobody can explain that. I mean, he's an obvious shoe-in for me in this one. Yeah, well, he's the winningest player, including – well, he was uh, up until a couple of weeks ago at least, the winningest player on tour, including challengers, which you've already poo-pooed uh, <laughs> the, the quality of those wins. But uh, pretty banner 2021 for Jensen Brooksby, for Jensen Brooksby so far, and I'm – sure he's looking to build on that success at his home slam all right speaking of americans uh taylor fritz taking on alex demonor yeah uh out of this quarter it's kind of crazy that the two best guys in this quarter are playing each other uh so i uh yeah i've initially put fritz I said that he played well at Wimbledon, which he did coming off his surgery. And then since then, he's just been playing pretty bad. And Demonor, I don't know, never confident with him these days. But I got Demonor moving on. He's a fast-moving player. Uh, We got hard courts right here. Fritz is uh, his I don't know. He's got a pretty heavy shot, I guess. Not as fast as Demonor, so I, I got to take Demonor here. I'm the opposite. I, I, yeah. I actually have to take Fritz here because if there's – although, oof. Demonor, 4-0 against Fritz, hasn't dropped a set against him. <laughs> opinion changed or opinion static? Well, this was also the last time they played was two years ago. So there was two times in okay. 2018, two times in 2019. Demonor has been. I mean, two years ago was both those guys were in a better condition than they are now. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would actually go as far to say Demonor has been the most disappointing player on tour this oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, I, I agree. I don't know about the most, but. He's definitely up there. Like, if you were asking me one of the most disappointing players of the year, definitely Demonors would. Who come would to you my say mind. is more? Who would you? Who's had a worse year than him in terms of guys smelling the top twenty? Uh, Dan Evans comes to mind. Uh, no, Evans has had 
He made a couple finals. But he's not just very consistent is the thing with me. Uh, yeah, but I, Demonor made one final so far. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, the guy guys. loses all the time early in tournaments, like all year, every surface. I mean, there's some obvious ones like Moanfeast that I don't really bring up. Uh, Query has been disappointing to me. I guess he's maybe he just shouldn't have won. Uh, there's some Monfils, other... Okay, I will give you that. I mean, Monfils should win, and he's been playing a lot better. And he's showing what he used to be. I mean, you can go down on these other French guys like Pear, but obviously, yeah, that's something we've exhausted about. Uh, I want to some... say, too, Fritz looked like death in his last match, uh, which I believe was in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heat going to be a big factor again. Now, he's from California. I think he'd have some sort of... Uh, <laughs> some sort of, like acclimation to heat but uh but yeah i don't know he his conditioning has been pretty poor yeah i mean here's a little minor flex i did actually see him live at the u.s open in 2019 against nishikori and he played really really well uh big asterisk on that i said the words 2019 <laughs> so who knows what he's got in store today well, oh another I- another guy that's really disappointed me this year is millman too and maybe I'm the only person in the world that's been disappointed by a moment. I said smelling the top 20. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Millman does not qualify for that. All right. Well, at plus uh, 125, I- I'm riding Fritz on this. And that actually might make the board. Okay. Oof. Yeah. Still take a demon on that one. All right. It should be a fun match to watch though. I, I agree. Admit. That's one of that's on my watch list. That's it. It's going to be a good one. All right, then we got um, two-time North American tournament champion, one state in particular, Florida, uh, yeah. Hubert Hubie Herkaz. The American on, transplant. Yes, taking on Gerasimov, who was at Winston Salem and lost to Gasquet. Uh, who Gasquet then got beat by, um, I forget. But uh, it was, oh, Rusevori. So a um, little bit of recent head-to-head for, in terms of those guys. Well, let's see if Yubi's, uh Herkaz is uh, minus 750, so we're moving him on, and I'm not particularly interested in the over at 34 either. Yeah, not touching that. All right, then we have Sebi versus Fuchovic. Uh, I assume Fuchovic is also a pretty significant favorite. Yeah. And uh, we're moving on Fucevic as well. And then we're getting down to it here. Um, Kudla versus Jera. This actually might be kind of interesting in terms of the odds. because. Yeah, would you just take the over? I mean, it's not a clear winner for me on either of these guys. I, I they've, They jacked up the, the over a little bit. It's at 38, so you need... Still. You, you need, need some games uh, in all these. I mean, you could get it in, in four sets, but you need it to yeah. go 6-4 each time. Yeah, you need some bulk in those early sets. Yeah, but uh, I do believe both of these guys will win a set. Um, Kudla, obviously, maybe more of a traditional hardcore player versus the clay specialist, Jera. But Jera, he's got stamina in these uh, Korean slams. So yeah. 
Kudla is kind of a big dude too, so I don't know what his stamina is like after three sets too. Exactly. So Kudla coming in at minus two fifteen. I I I don't want to shoot my shot with Jira plus one eighty, but uh, that's not a terrible price if, if you're looking for a shot at an upset. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We got Oscar Ott versus Lorenzo Sanego. I got Sanego moving on. Uh, Oscar yeah. Ott's coming through as a quali. Yeah, and a pretty rocky quali run uh, as well. He was dropping sets, uh, but he pulled it out. He made the field. So um, Sanego coming in at minus 300. Uh, I, I don't foresee him losing this match to no. Oscar Ott. Uh, Sinego pretty... minus five is minus one ten. I... So six four Fine. six four six four or something to that. I, I don't see Ott winning a set. Me neither. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, then again, Sinego like also, also um, like I thought he would. He when he played uh, Ugo Umber uh, a few weeks ago, I thought he'd eat into him a little more into him a little bit more no he got handled in straight sets so granted ugo was coming in hot off the olympics but yeah senegal's level can be tricky to predict i mean like i said earlier like ugo is just straight business out there i mean that guy that little uh chess thing that he does a little chess uh he hits his chest like he's like kobe and stuff like that uh, that guy just goes out there and he handles business. He knows what he wants to do. He gets things done. It's kind of hard to play against him. So I can't imagine some guy like Sinego is able to keep his head against him. And Sinego's a little rocky when it comes to his head too. If you ask me. Absolutely. All right. Um, well, that's why he's got it adorned with a headband because he's got to keep it together. <laughs> okay, so up next, we got another Italian and Fabio Fognini versus uh, the Canadian Vasic Pospisil. Okay, now this is actually priced appropriately, which is unfortunate because I was hoping Pospisil was going to come in as a bigger dog. He's only plus 130. Fognini coming in at minus 160, so... I Pospisil is also throw him in the bucket of disappointing players this year so far. I think he's been banked up a bit, hasn't mm-hmm. played a lot, but when he has, he's not made a lot of inroads in the brackets. So, but he is a uh, in that serve bot ish category. Um, he is <laughs> Canadian, so he's um, playing a home tournament ish. Um, and he's had success. Uh, I think he made it pretty far at Cincinnati last year. So um, these are the courts that he excels on. So I think that um, I hate to say this, but I kind of like Fonini here uh, to pull it out. He has been playing better. He's been pulling it together, especially in round one, at least. Okay. When you preface that statement or started that statement with, I hate to say it. I thought you were going to say that you were going to pick Pospisil to win. Uh, yeah, I also picked Fonini to win here, too. All right. All right. Then we have uh, Winston-Salem winner here, Ivashka versus uh, – I don't think it's over, but I'm just going to pencil him in as the winner <laughs> uh, versus our boy Tennis Sangren. Uh, Sangren, he does not – have great luck with draws in round one. Give this guy a freaking like Oscar <laughs> Ott for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, Avashka is much better than Novak. 
yeah, that's true. It's a, a significant tier drop from when he got Djokovic in the first round of Wimbledon. <laughs> was it Wimbledon or? Um, yeah, yeah, Roland Garros, one of the uh, two. Yeah, of a slam, recent slam. Yeah, so I don't know. I took I took the Sandman here only because he's American. Vasquez has got a lot of miles under his belt at Winston-Salem. So You took the Sandman. <sighs> Yeah, I took the Sandman. I mean, I don't feel comfortable about it. I mean, I'm not recommending that you take him by any means. Well, at plus 295, uh, Sandgren will ball out in this. He actually, I think, he is a player that elevates his play at slams. Mm -hmm. So if you want to root for America, drape yourself an American flag, put on that American (laughs) flag hat. um, Or headband like Sandgren. Yeah. And root for some hometown, uh, some hometown um, heroes. Sangren fits that bill. Yeah, if you're a big fan of my tennis life, let's see all four of you guys bet on tennis. Sangren. All right. Then we so, have yeah, Mute versus Travelia. I moved on Mute. I moved on Mute. He's my boy. Same as yeah, I got the same going. It's uh seems like a clay match going on, but we're getting this one on the U.S. Open hard courts. But yeah, I got Mute. So he's, what are the odds? Uh, he's minus one sixty. Uh, I I wish. I mean, give me a, uh, like yeah. a minus one twenty or minus one thirty. Mute isn't like world beater. He he did lose <laughs> to Opelka in uh, I believe it in Cincinnati. Yeah, I don't think he's worthy of a 160. He's worthy of a win, so maybe that's why the 160 makes sense to these odds makers. But ugh, yeah, I don't know. Trevelyan more of a clay player too, and Mute I think uh, more of a hardcore guy, so that could factor in. All right, let's move it on to Chardy versus Bertini. Tough draw for both players. Uh, Berrettini probably getting more of a, a match than he cared for in round one. Chardy has had a pretty nice 2021. He'd like to think he can get someone to keep, uh, you know, that the spirit of his great 21, 21 alive at yeah. the last slam. Uh, but unfortunately, he's probably going to lose in straight sets to Berrettini. Yeah, I see the same thing. Berrettini coming off his uh, finals loss at Wimbledon. Had an incredible run there. I mean, that guy's just determined. Charty party. Honestly, he's really no match. So we don't really got to split hairs on that because there's no hairs to split. All right. Well, let's uh, quickly run through this bracket. Um, let's circle back now to round two. Uh, Novak versus Greek Spore. I feel like we both... Novak versus Greek Spore, and you picked Struf. I feel like we both moved on Novak. And then K, Cory versus Mac. I believe we both have... I believe you probably moved on K, Nishikori. I did not. I actually moved on Mackie. Ooh. Yeah. Two in a row for Mackie. I see the revenge. Him. I see the revenge spot coming. I could see that. Um, but I, I'm taking Mackie on that one. I, who do you think is the favorite in that match? Probably K. Uh, by a slim, slim margin. The over in that match which will probably be jacked in that 35 or in that 38, 37 and a half category, which I'm seeing like the higher end 
Yeah. Uh, I'd games, hit that. Totals, I would hit that in a heartbeat. I think both of those players will want to set in that match. Um, all right. Um, then we have Karatsev versus Thompson. I assume we both moved on Karatsev. Yes. And then uh, I have Brooksby versus Fritz. You have Brooksby versus uh, Demonor. I moved on Brooksby. Ooh. Okay. So I was scared on this one. I'm like, where do I go with this thing? Because one, I was already hesitant on taking Demonor. Initially, I'd picked Fritz. And then now I got Demonor versus Brooksby. And I strictly only picked Demonor just because of experience. But I don't know if experience even means anything when you play Jensen Brooksby, right? <laughs> I mean, Brooksby, I think, kind of levels up to the opponent he's playing uh, uh-huh. f- from what I've seen so far. Small sample size-ish. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel like Brooksby has a youthful exuberance to his game that uh, makes him a little bit of a live wire, unpredictable in terms of prep. Okay, so the only reason why I didn't want to move on Brooksby because I think the winner of this match beats Karatsev. And the thought of Brooksby making to the quarterfinal of the U.S. Open to play Novak Djokovic sounds absolutely insane to me. Well, it's actually only round four. But, oh, uh, is that round four? Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not wrong. I did move on Brooksby over Karatsev. Um, and uh, I just feel like this is what Brooksby's been building towards. Uh, and it's time for a young American to make some noise at the U.S. Open and get people excited about American tennis once again. <laughs> okay, talking this through, I'm with you now. I'm taking Brooksby over Demon Orr, and I'm taking Brooksby over Karatsev. Uh, American tennis coming through, and the obstacle is this Novak Djokovic guy. Watch him lose round one to Emer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Swedish tennis coming through at the U.S. Open this year, boys. Well, I have to say, though, too, I mean, we've been building, you know, I mentioned the, I'm really driving down Narrative Street, but that's kind of what we want to do right now as we're laying out our brackets and have some fun. Uh, You know, this would be a nice way for Karatsev to end his 2021, coming out of nowhere, rising up into the top 20, and kind of faltering a bit as the season went on, but great opportunity to, to end on a high note, get to the round four versus Novak, Maybe push Novak a little bit, but essentially, you know, he's definitely going to lose. Um, but that could be nice to see Karatsev make round four. Yeah, that does sound like a good narrative in terms of booking ending his whole season of 2021, coming out red hot at the AO, and then coming out red hot at the end at the U.S. Open. So uh, I like the narrative. Is that going to play out? I don't know. Time will tell. Herc Katz versus Fucevic. I moved on Herc. Yeah, same. I mean, he's been ripping on hard courts in the United States um, as long as we can remember 2021. So uh, that was an easy pick for me. Then we have uh, Kudla versus Sinego. I also moved on Sinego. I obviously moved on Sinego. Yeah, same Z's. So then we have uh, Herc versus Seneca. Who do you got there? And I believe uh, Herc will be a pretty significant favorite in this match. Yeah. 
So given that, I took the significant favor in Hubie, her cats. But I would say I might look at a, a game's over. I, I think Sonego can get a set off her cats. Yeah, so I think so as well, too. I mean, I don't think that's a straight sets victory at all. No. I think Sonego uh, is a bit of a battler. I, I, yeah. I, I typically lean overs in Sonego matches where he's a dog because I think that he is able to push players. That's why I was a little frustrated when he just got swept by Ugo a few weeks ago. I think he can frustrate players, too, and betters. <laughs> but, yeah, I think he could he can chop off a set from Herc. All right, so Fanini versus Ivashka would be just below there in the bracket. Uh, I moved on Ivashka. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, I, I guess I didn't take Ivashka, uh, which I definitely did. I took uh, the Sandman. But either way, um, you took Ivashka beating Fonini with all those miles under his belt. I took Fonini because I had Sandgren going on. But if, if it was Fonini versus Ivashka and Ivashka... Still had some uh, gas in his tank. I'd take a look at Avashka on the, actually on that one. All right, then we have Mute versus Berrettini. I think we both probably moved on Berrettini, and I actually think that Berrettini will. I think there's a strong chance that Berrettini doesn't drop a set in his first two matches. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, all right, then we have uh, Fanini or Ivashka versus Berrettini, and I think we probably both moved on Berrettini. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay, so who you got with Hercats and Berrettini? So I moved on Herc. Fourth. Ooh, okay. Um, I feel like Berrettini used up his slam luck already. This is complete narrative versus analytics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I just made that up, his slam luck. But uh, I, I just feel like Herc has, uh he finds ways to win. And especially on North American hardcore. I mean, this is who he is. Yeah. And for some reason, this is like his home turf. Yeah. And Berrettini, great player. He can lose though. And uh, this is a great fade spot. Cause I feel like Berrettini will be a pretty, pretty nice favorite. And Herc will be a nice, nice dog. He'll be a live dog. Okay. Who would you take between Hercats and Berrettini anywhere outside of America and Italy on a hard court. Hmm. Probably Berrettini. Right. Okay. So like if it was like London. I'm, I'm basically saying, who would you take if there is no narrative here? If there was no narrative or history of Herkaz just like mm-hmm. owning North America. Um, yeah. I, I would say Berrettini. I think Berrettini is a better player. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's why I took Berrettini. But yeah, I'm also hesitant only because it's in uh, just hot America, just the hot East Coast weather. Yeah, but then also, like, I mean, Herc at Wimbledon coming yeah, back to beat true. Med, which was, like, the next day. I mean, I, I do wonder if they played that out, if Med wins. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a whole day. Um, he also destroyed that one Roger Federer dude at Wimbledon, too. Yeah, I don't know, man. Herc is, like, kind of crazy good. Yeah, I know. I don't think I've heard him say a single word, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I took Berrettini here. Tell you Herc, Herc also famously uh, in a first presser at the next tournament off winning a, a thousand uh, fielded no questions from the press. No one had a question for him. 
<laughs> not even a single person asked what his name was. <laughs> no, no, no one, they literally trotted him out there. Anyone have a question? No one did. And he's like, okay. It was embarrassing. <laughs> this, this sport <laughs> finds ways to embarrass uh, itself. Okay. Then we have Novak versus Herc. Um, and obviously we've moved on Novak. Yeah. Yeah. I have obviously had... Or I obviously had Berrettini moving on, so I had Berrettini versus Novak, and you know who I picked on that one. All right, Derek. So let's kind of keep it moving here. Let's let's keep it let's keep it rocking. Uh, maybe move a little bit faster on right. uh, on some of these. Uh, I don't think we need to look at the odds of Zverev versus Sam Querrey. Um, no. Moving on Zverev. Now I would like to see Ramos versus Puy because Ramos has done. I don't know if he has a hard court win. <laughs> and uh Puy is coming off uh I believe he qualified into this thing. Oh no, yeah. Puy qualified into Winston Salem, then he beat Felly in the first round uh last week. So he at least has some hardcore wins in recent memory. Uh he hasn't played a lot this year, actually. And when he has, he's lost. I still like at plus one thirty versus Ramos. Mm-hmm. Ramos has been so bad on hardcore. I mean, even on grass. Yeah, I'm looking at Luco Puy's wins this year. They're they're not great. I mean, he has a couple quality wins. Ramos is coming in three and a million uh, (laughs) since May, Uh, where he had that. Yeah, he he won. um, What did he win? He won he won the tournament before Madrid or something. He won a smaller tournament on clay. I guess my point is, I would actually take a French on hard court versus a yeah. Spaniard not on clay. I took the same thing. I, I went with Luco Puy on this one. Um, that actually, I'm going to write that down as a short list for the board. Okay, so up next we got uh, Nishioka versus Jack Sock. I already did praise Jack Sock a little bit earlier, and I am sticking with Jack Sock here. Nishioka has just been trash lately just trash so jack sock has just been looking a little bit more like jack sock so i gotta go jack sock here i don't think yeah, he's these gonna... two recently played actually they played at the beginning of the month sock won the first no he lost the first set and then was up 4-0 before nishioka retired so but he lost a tie break oh i do remember that yeah nishioka got Washington. hurt in that I got sock. Yeah, I'm sticking with sock here. Nishioka is just, I don't know. I think he's too small. He doesn't have enough power. Jack Sock's got too much power. He's three uh, and one against him uh, lifetime. And Nishioka, I think he wins matches sometimes just because he's a lefty. Sock coming in here at the, as a dog as well uh, at even money. Nishioka at minus 125. Oh, Nishioka is a favorite? Huh. Okay possibly write that down yeah that's a short list okay so after that we have yannick halfman versus mr bublik so i obviously got bublik moving on yeah we got bublik moving on here he's coming in at minus 475 so yeah let's move on we got momfis versus korea uh i gotta take momfis here he seems like he's got some spirit back uh, he's been pretty damn fun to watch in those thousand events. So yeah, yeah I agree. I, I think he, yeah, I think he got married and 
that's all behind him now. And I think that, uh, by the way, I feel like my account should have ran out on this Zoom. No, because you restarted it. N- no, it's been the oh. same meeting. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. Well, it's still recording. <clears throat> I didn't use Whitney's account. Um, yeah, I saw that. Monfils, I feel like uh, the worst is behind him. He's going to build on his recent his recent success. Uh-huh. Although Correa is uh, he's a live wire. He can suck, but he can also <laughs> put up a fight. So especially against someone with the level of play, an uneven level of play like Monfils. So yeah, Monfils has just been climbing uphill recently. I mean, he was sliding downhill for a while and. He, he's making his climb, so uh, I think Monfils is an easy pick for me. Yeah, then we have Stevie Johnson as coming in at minus 225 against uh, Martyrer. Yeah, I, I got like... Stevie. Go ahead. I got Stevie here. I took Martyrer. It's not a bad pick. I, I got nothing against that. I mean, I like Stevie. I think he's underrated in general, uh, especially here at the USO. Mm-hmm. He's not really underrated right now. He's coming in at a pretty significant favorite, which gives me pause to take him. And I, I would shoot my shot on Martyr plus 185 in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to bet on this, I would just bet a half a unit on Martyr. And then up next, we have Chechenado versus Zach Zavada. Yeah, Ooh, I have no idea. Have, yeah. yeah. Who who is Zach Zavada? No clue. Um, but Chechenado only minus three hundred five, so he must have some level to not just be. I mean, some of these, <laughs> like Monfils is minus seven fifty against Correa, who is a player I have seen win matches before. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Zavada, Zachary. <laughs> Zachary character. Um, I don't want to say too much about this match. I moved on Chechenato. Yeah, I looked him up. He's a, not a Nike hardcore guy. He's a Fila dude. So That doesn't bode well. No. So I'm going to go based upon the scouts of Nike and say this guy is going to lose. So, yeah, I put on Chechenato. Uh, moving on, we got Sinner versus Purcell. We obviously gonna take Sinner here. Yeah, he's minus fourteen hundred against uh, Max Power Purcell, um, who's let me down recently when I've tried to chase him in various <laughs> tournaments. Um, sh- short, uh, short games though, thirty one and a half. Let's keep going down um, to the, the first round. Yeah. Okay. So if we move on to the next quarter, we got Busta versus Cressy. Uh, easy pick with Busta here. Yeah. Cressy qualified in, had to battle, or had to battle three sets to do so. And then the next match after that would be Corda Basha Las Vili, which. Actually, I don't know. I, I mean, that's something to think about. I pick Corda. I feel pretty comfortable about it. Bash. I mean, that guy's can beat anybody. 
Yeah, I picked Corda. He's minus two fifty. I, I feel like uh, Nico is a pretty solid dog at plus two ten. Uh, I mean, he's going to have his backers, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we got Musetti versus another American. I do not know Emilio Nava. Now, this is the guy that I was saying he went to Wake Forest and his village was there rooting him on against Montero and Winston-Salem. Yeah, you were mentioning that to me. He was uh, plus 425 against Montero, so I can only imagine what he is against Musetti. Okay, keep in mind, Musetti's coming off a five-match losing streak. I mean, beating Navas yeah. not going to put him on the right foot, but... Hey, you got to get some wins. Yeah. It's not a spark going, but uh, Musetti is minus 305. Nava is plus 245. So, actually... What's the over? The over is 36, so they're breaking in a little bit of uh, back and forth between these guys. Mm-hmm. I think... That's just playing off of Musetti losing five straight. Would you touch that? Uh, no. I, you know, I would actually use Musetti as a, a leg in a a parlay, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> Nava just played at his literally his home uh, court, where he just he went to Wake Forest, and uh, he got beat soundly <laughs> every match he was in in that tournament. So. Um, not exactly someone I would want to uh, back as a live dog. Okay. Yeah, I got Musetti moving on, too. Uh, then we got Quan versus Opelka in this. I yeah. kind of have Opelka going pretty far. Mr. Servbot himself. First team Servbot. Uh, Quan, I know you like him, but I got to imagine you took Opelka as well. I do like Quan. I like Quan a lot. Um, but I did take Opelka. Opelka beat Quan and Delray last year in straight sets 2 0. Mm-hmm. I think Quan is a bit underrated. Uh, odds makers really don't respect him at all. Um, two times I've played him this year was uh, I played a money line against Rune where he was like plus 200 or something mm-hmm. on clay, which Rune is a clay guy, but Quan is a tour veteran playing a teenager. I mean, Give me like those type of odds. I'm going to shoot my shot. And Quan won, thankfully, three sets, but he still won. And then I think he was like minus, or he was like plus eight games earlier this year against Berrettini, and he easily covered that. So they disrespect my boy Quan, although he's coming in here. Line is only four games against Opelka, so he's getting a little bit of love. Opelka's mm-hmm. uh, minus 315, and uh, Quan is plus 255 on the money line. Yeah, I mean, Popelka just has been ripping as of late, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So with the, with the newfound respect that odds makers have given Quan, I feel like Opelka is a pretty nice leg in a parlay. Yeah. So take that in consideration. Okay, so then up next we got Hatch versus Lloyd Harris, which is, in my eyes, a pretty unfortunate matchup. First I mean, round matchup for both these guys. Yeah, this is, uh, as we like to say, a 250 final. Um, yeah, and round one of a slam here, <laughs> not a Salem Winston final, though. <laughs> uh, so we got Hatch versus Harris. I took Hatch, Hatch is obviously the better player in my eyes. Uh, Harris, Harris is a guy that can kind of beat anybody, yeah, at I least agree. when they're injured. Hatch is coming in at minus 220, 
Harris is plus 185, and uh, they have baked in a uh, a competitive match here. The game's total is 39 and a half. So uh, I, I I see Harris winning a set for sure in this match. Uh, yeah. I think it'll be a very competitive match, potentially go five sets. Uh, Karen, I, I think, is great, but uh, he had a great Olympics, but he also has been pretty uneven this year. And so is Lloyd. Lloyd isn't exactly like, you know, striking fear in my heart, but uh, he did have a nice confidence building win against Rafa. So, yeah, I was contemplating taking the spread on that, but it's only three and a half games. Yeah, pretty live dog though with Harris at plus 185. I, I would think those would be closer in terms of the money line. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a live play right there. Okay, so then we got Cuevas versus uh, Ernesto. Yeah, I don't. I have no real opinion on this match. I've moved on Cuevas, who's actually plus one forty-five. Cuevas, obviously, much older. Um, yeah, I don't even know who this Ernesto guy is. So me neither. Uh, I moved on Ernesto for funsies because he's American. Cuevas is like an old clay player. Obviously, he's pretty smart, but I'll just give the kid a shot here. I, I wouldn't touch this by any means. Um, Tommy Paul is next, taking on taking on yeah. RCB. Paul at minus six hundred. I don't know if you know about uh, the fact that he's dating this like Instagram chick, Kiki something. I have n- no knowledge of that. Uh, yeah. So apparently. Um, she was with him in like I want to say it was DC or some tournament, um, and everyone was like, "Oh!" And that was the match he went out. That was the tournament he went out early, and they were <laughs> saying it was because he was up all night with her. And then since they've been apart, and he's done much better. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Kardashian curse. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> check the socials. Uh, what's going on with, <laughs> with Tommy before these matches? Uh, or his girlfriend Kiki, oh, um, but I, I'm moving on Tommy here. I, I I like I actually like Tommy. I think Tommy has a pretty nice draw to to do some damage if he finds a level. Uh, I don't know. He's got to face Chapo in the next round. Yeah, but next, Chapo yeah. is so inconsistent. I mean, he could beat Chapo. Chapo made it to the semis at Wimbledon, right? Lost uh, Novak. But yeah, I don't know how often he can repeat that. He is very inconsistent. Yeah, so Del Bonus versus uh, Shapovalov next. Uh, I think we both moved on Shapovalov. He's probably like a minus 3,000 favorite, so no, yeah. no reason to. So let's go back to the top here. We got Zverev versus Puy in the second round. I moved on Zverev, obviously. Yeah. Another so who do you guy got him who, facing? Another guy who probably won't drop a set in the first two rounds. Um then it's Sock versus Bublik. I think we both had that, and I moved on Bublik. Okay. Uh, yeah, I moved on Sock. Ooh. Mm-hmm. America. Go America. Yeah, go Jack Sock. Uh, and then I'm assuming you got Zvera beating Bublik? Correct. Or do you not? Okay. Yeah, so I obviously have Zvera beating Sock. And then if we move further down in round two, we got Monfils versus Stevie Johnson. Oh, you took Mardner. Sorry. Yeah, I got Monfils moving on, though. I think we probably both do. Yeah, same. And then we got Chechenato 
versus Sinner. Obviously, you got Sinner moving on. So who yeah. you got? So I think Sinner has a pretty nice path to reach round four with not a lot of effort. Um, Monfils obviously, you know, could find a level to challenge him a little bit, but uh, uh-huh. I. I I just think that there are different points in their careers, and I think that Sinner moves on pretty easily. Absolutely. So then you obviously got Zverev moving on, beating Bublik, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I have Zverev Sinner round four, which I wish that was a quarter play Okay, so round four. Those guys are going to have a lot in the tank playing each other in round four. I agree. They're they're not going to get a, a, a ton of um, push along the way. Uh-uh. And I'm going to take what I believe is the underdog and center in this one. Nice. I would love that. I took Zverev. I just, yeah. I got to see it. Zverev is as much he's as he's definitely we a better player. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's solid. He's been playing really well. He hasn't been doing the Zverev double faults. Haven't no, he, seen that since uh, he lost the final last year. And oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think center's. There has to be an upset in this. Oh, I agree. Well, there's, uh, the, here's the thing. If Zverev is serving 80% first serve, which he did in the first set against Tsitsipas. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. Cincinnati, peace out. Yeah. Peace out. Pe- yeah, peace out, center. Like, there's no way. So, uh, it's really – it's, to- it's on Zverev's racket the whole match, in my opinion. Yeah, fully agree. Um, I'm going to first see that Zverev – just kind of loses his head at some point. I, I mean, he could. I mean, he's had a very successful year so far. Not that he's not trying to win a slam, but yeah, I mean, he he dumps the occasional match. So it's it. And Center will be coming in as a pretty nice dog. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, I think Zverev will have more slams than Center. Maybe. Maybe. But. All right, uh, then, okay, so let's go back a little bit. Then we have uh, Busta versus Korda, I'm, which, uh, who do you, I think that's going to be pretty close in odds, and uh, that's a nice round two pick them. and uh, I moved on Korda. Oh, okay, I took Busta. I mean, I was just loving that bronze medal match against Novak, and his, like, determination just to win that, and the emotion that he brought just right afterwards. I'm like, dang, he really loves this sport. And I, I don't know. My heart is with Busta on this one. All right. Well, we're split there. So we have Corda taking on um, the winner of Musetti versus Opelka. I think we both moved on Opelka, I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely. So then we it's... have uh, two Americans uh, in my bracket quarter versus Opelka you have Busta versus Opelka I assume mm-hmm. you probably moved on Busta I did not oh took the bot nice Opelka yeah building got, all right I got robot Opelka moving on well I, don't know. I think that'll be a nice um dog play because I I think Busta will be the favorite yeah I think so too so who'd you take I took Corda I have Corda <laughs> I'm going all young American here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got Corda. Um, that way, at least, like, one of these guys will hopefully make it. Um, but, um, yeah, I have uh, Corda in round four. Um, and then I have him taken on uh, Hatchinoff. Yeah, my apologies to tennis Twitter, but I got the bots moving on. 
I actually have Tommy Paul being Chapo Valov. Okay. I'm sure that, you have Chapo. Yeah, I definitely got Chapo right there. There's, there's no way. I mean, I got Tommy Paul losing the first round. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Chapo, I, I believe, wouldn't be a great matchup versus Opelka. I think Opelka could disrupt him mentally. So, I don't know. So, do you have... Uh, you have Tommy Paul beating Chapo, huh? So do you have Hatchinoff? We've got to have Tommy upsets, Paul? man. Upsets, yeah, no, man. You definitely do. Do you, uh, you have, uh, you have Hatchinoff beating Tommy Paul? Yes. So I have Korda versus Hatchinoff. That'd be a fun match to watch. I'd root for that. But yeah, I still got Opelka moving on. Well, there's an American in that spot either way. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a fun tournament, man. It's going to be great. All right. So then I have Zverev beating Korda, unfortunately. And then I have Novak beating Zverev. Yeah. I got a Sinner Opelka match lined up, which I got Sinner winning. Nice. So you have a Novak Sinner semi? I do. Oh, my God. Six, send me six to midnight. <laughs> That would be so sick. It would be so fun to watch that. Just baseline rallies all day. All right, guys. Well, uh, we're running out of time here, and um, I'm sure you don't want to listen to us just ramble on for much longer. So we're going to speed it up on the bottom half of the draw here. We're going to skip forward here. We're going to look at some bottom half of the bracket um, round one notables uh, real quick in terms of the price and, and what we might play. So, uh, All right. Let's skip to Curios. RBA. I mean, I picked RBA. I did too. I, I I don't really care what the odds are. I was just wondering what your opinion was on that. I mean, I think Curios at plus one forty five, which is coming in as a nice dog, is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would want to root for Curios. Batista Gu is maybe one of the most annoying players to watch, just because mm-hmm. he's like <laughs> kind of a backboard and not very aggressive. Yeah, he's very boring player to watch. That's yeah, I can honestly beat anybody. Um, but uh, Nick has sucked, and he's rightfully a dog. Uh huh. Yeah, it's been pretty infuriating watching that guy recently. Now, here's uh, what I want to say though: is Pedro Martinez coming in at a plus ninety versus James Duckworth? Duckworth was in the Olympics, uh, so he has uh, some form for his country. But I wouldn't say overall. For the tour, Martinez is more of a clay guy, but I I think a young, all-around good player that could win. And him coming in at plus 190, I, I don't hate that. Yeah, I picked Duckworth to move on um, as well. I, I don't really like either of these two players quality-wise, but facing each other, I would take Duckworth. How about this? Rusevori... He's coming off playing pretty deep into Winston-Salem and a player that I think is a bit overrated in general. He is a young next-gen talent. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he's playing um, Camille. Uh, I don't know how to say his last name, who qualified in. And uh, I don't know that I trust Rusevori as a minus 225 dog ever. So, uh, Yeah, but he's playing a qualifier. Yeah, but I don't know. That just, I don't know. Yeah, I just usually don't touch bets where I don't even know the one Something of the to keep players. in mind. 
Uh, yeah. Benoit Pair is, I think, only minus 135 against Leovich. Yeah, that was eye-catching. Uh, minus 145. Yeah, 145 now. I, I would hop on that before it gets out of hand because I think Benoit Pair is going to win this match. Yeah. I mean, if you take into consideration or he takes into consideration the way he's been playing recently and he can keep that up, that's good enough to beat Leovich. Uh, also notable, Taro Daniel... Uh, is only minus 165 against uh, Bagnus, a player he has beat four times, 4-0 against <laughs> him. That's quite the stat. Three of those are on clay, which Bagnus is a clay player. So beating him on his own surface. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to make the board, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about uh, Vasily versus Kevin Anderson? Kevin Anderson, obviously coming in as a significant uh, favorite minus 360 but uh and he's he's in straight up serve bot mode because the guy can't move really Mm-mm. um but it's kando um it's major it's pretty deep uh draw so i gotta say anderson's gonna win just one round that's it i'm gonna guess you did not take him no i, I took him i'm just curious your thoughts yeah, no, that's how I view Kevin Anderson. I mean, he's quite the veteran. He's not here just to play one match in bail. He won a tournament earlier this year against Brooksby in the final. And yeah, I don't know. I, I got to take him. He's got the experience. And Beasley's honestly not very good. I was interested in maybe a rude games under, uh, and maybe I still am, uh, against... Uh, Joe Williford Sangra. Joe Willie. It's uh, 31. So that's 646464. Yeah. I kind of like games under. I don't think, I think Rude's going to destroy. Destroy Sangra. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have nothing against that. I mean, I I love Joe Willie, but he has nothing to love recently. Um, Then we have. this is our boy Alcaraz, Carlos Alcaraz, Carlitos, Carlos Alcaraz uh, coming in at plus 140 versus Cam Nori, who's had a great 2021. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Just to go back to Sanga, he is on a seven match losing streak. Yeah. Let, let's make it eight. Uh, what do you think about Nori minus 170 versus Alcaraz? Yeah, I say take it. I mean, I know you like Alcaraz a lot, but yeah, uh, Nori's have been having a great year. And I don't think that he's coming to the U.S. Open to to bow out to an 18-year-old. I, I agree. I don't think Nori has had quite success on North American hard court uh, during this run that he had yeah, he uh, leading that. up to it. But, uh, yeah, at minus 170, I, I, that's in that top end of the range. I would board. I don't do anything over 180. Mm-hmm. Carlitos, although I do love him, I, I, I think we're wish casting a bit and I think it's tough round one matchup for him. Yeah. All right. So we're in agreement there. And then, Oh, I like Manorino plus plus one sixty versus a bear. Hmm. Interesting. This is such a, a, a workman's bring the lunch pail. This is how, this is how I describe Manorino on every podcast, but this is a, a great go to work, get a round <laughs> one win. Against Abear, who has not been great in singles play recently, and yeah. he's going to be playing doubles as well. Um, 
I don't know, man. I, I really like Manorino plus 160. That's a very interesting bet. You know what? I'm going to back that one. Because uh, Manorino, like you said, uh, he can go out there and he, he can get the job done or he can do the best he can, I should say. That level isn't very high, but hey, Bears, yeah, I don't know. He's got a rocky game to him. And uh, they're both pretty smart players, though. But I would take Manorino right there. And at plus 160, if I sound hesitant because it sounds like I'm on the fence with both those two and one of them's got a plus 60, you take that. All right, and then we're going to end with um, Isner versus Nakashima. This is a rubber match for these guys who played twice already, each picking up a win during this hardcore summer run. Hmm. Isner coming in at minus 170. Again, the top end of that value, and I I think I might board it. I I do not see Nakashima beating Isner in round one of the U.S. Open. No. They play each other at Acapulco, right? Uh, No, uh, Los Cabos. Oh, Los Cabos, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I don't see Nakashima winning yet either i mean maybe he will one day maybe isner will have to be at the absolute tail end of his career and nakashima will be nearing his prime but that is not the era right now a brutal round one draw for american tennis right there because for sure yeah i like would to, like to see yeah i'd like to see both those guys move on right yeah and nakashima can't get oscar out what <laughs> <laughs> yeah he can't get Antoine Hong, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> or <laughs> that guy I've literally never heard of. That's uh... Michael Reichman. Like that guy's even American, and I don't even care if that guy moves on. The Nava, I can't know Nava. Uh, yeah, like I don't know where they got these guys from. The wild cards <laughs> in America. I, well, they, this I, happens every tournament, though, where a lot of home guys play each other. I mean, there should be some sort of guardrails against it, in my opinion. But yeah, you can only know. have like three wild cards for the home country or something like that, right? All right. Uh, well, let's move on to uh, ahead in the bracket. Let's get to round four. I have Rublev versus FAA. Who do you have? Same. We actually matched up on that one. Yeah, FAA had a good run at USO last year. I think uh, he will again. He will again. His toughest opponent is going to be RBA if mm-hmm. he makes it through Nick. And uh, I just feel like that's going to be a match he can win. Yeah. So I got Rublev winning against Felix. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, Rublev hasn't been super consistent, but. I don't know. I can't ever count that guy out. I guess that's my problem with him. No, I think this is a, a time for him to come alive again. Kind of, uh, you know, some good opportunity for a lot of these players who've had not great, uh, you know, this like is summers. like, yeah, second of the, if we're, if we're breaking things into thirds, um, going into this last third of the year. Well, he was um, terrible at the Olympics. Yeah. Because a lot of these guys, while the, you know, Rublev has got a, a lot of big matches coming up post this in terms uh-huh. of thousands. And uh, I, I guarantee he'll be at the um, ATP finals. So he's got a lot of tennis uh, ahead. So I, I, he's going to want to be coming out hot in this tournament, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I take that back. He actually did actually win a gold medal at the Olympics and mixed doubles. That's true. But he did lose in the first round to Nishikori from what I remember. And then, 
I think he was doubles partners with Karatsev and they lost in the first round. And then, I don't know. I feel like he was just playing under his level and law of averages tell me that he's going to rip at the U.S. Open. Yeah, I also don't blame him for losing after he beat Medvedev because that's like, it's like you just achieved something you've dreamed of for like your entire <laughs> life. He's uh, like the letdown next match, uh, kind of expected. I, I have to say. Yeah, just like what he was like, literally zero and thirteen without winning a set. If you want to count, <laughs> like these junior matches. Yeah, I was like, this is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. All right. Well, then we have I have Ugo Umber versus uh, Sitsipas in a rubber match. Uh, they played in the Olympics, then they played uh, a few weeks ago in Toronto, I think, and then uh, they each won one. Yeah. So I I guess I swiped right on both those guys too. Uh, I took Ugo Umber to win that. I have uh, Sitsipas, but I have Fade Spot as well. Ugo can definitely win this match. Uh, granted, he got a bit of a gift at the Olympics with uh, Steph being a bit banged up mm-hmm. um, in the third set, or end of second set, third set. So, but I do think uh, this is prime dump time for Sitsipas. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, I do think Clay is maybe his stronger surface uh, as the guy drops a lot of hardcore matches. Yeah, uh, I looked it up beforehand, and Sitsi has never made it past the third round at the U.S. Open. Not that history always repeats itself, but I mean, I think that Ugo is—he's on another one right now. Every time I say that, though, he always burns me. But true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, then I have uh, Rude versus Isner. Yeah. Um, Same or- on this side. Well, I guess we should go back up. Then I have Rublev beating Sitsipas. Rublev. Oh. In the quarters. Okay. So I have I have Ugo beating Rublev. I have Ugo going really far, which sounds odd, but I, I, I had to go with some upsets, you know? Absolutely. You got to pick upsets. Life finds a way. Then I have, yeah, so Rude Isner. And because Rude beats everyone ranked lower than him and no one ranked higher than him, I moved on <laughs> Rude. Okay, I got the serve bot moving on. Like I said, I, I picked some bots in this thing. I think I picked some bots at the Wimbledon uh, draw. And that didn't pan out very well, but I got some bots moving on pretty far in this. So I got Isner beating Rude here. All right, well, then I have... Uh, you're going to be surprised at this one, but I got our boy Dan Evans in round four. Uh, taking on Daniil Medvedev. Okay, you have the guy that I have losing to Giron in the second round. <laughs> uh, I have Dimitrov Medvedev here. Yeah, I mean, you might have been laughing at my Ugo and Bear beating Rublev <laughs> pick in the uh, in the previous bracket, but uh, let's see. I have Dimitrov Medvedev. Either way, you have Medvedev moving on, right? Of course. I have to say, there's, I mean, the heat obviously is going to be a problem for Medvedev, as it always is. It's going to be super Uh hot. But that's only going to be early on, and he's not playing anyone outside of Chilich, maybe, in round three, um, who's going to give him real problems. Uh, And then he's going to start playing at night. 
Exactly. So I was thinking about that too. He's the number two seed, so he's going to get some headlining slots. He can get some night sessions. Um, there's a roof on Ash, obviously. Um, so, yeah, he, he could avoid the sun here. It would actually legitimately shock me if he didn't make the finals. Hmm. Me as well. I, I, there, there's not, there are not a lot of roadblocks. No, I think he actually has a pretty good route. Yeah, I got Rublev versus Medvedev, and I, I don't think uh, Rublev is beating Medvedev uh, two times in recent memory. So uh, that's my semis is Rublev versus Medvedev. Okay, I got I got Isner Med, which sounds insane. There's no way Isner should be making it that far. He could though. He's he's been it's playing. a that 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 quarter, or sorry, that's yeah that semi on that side is kind of odd. Well, Isner has a nice path. I mean, yeah. he's gonna to play the quarters. Diego. Yeah, he's gonna play Diego and I round think so three. too. Yeah, and he's it's, gonna mop Diego. That's so, why I, I looked at that quarter. I'm like, anyone has a chance in this thing. Yeah, I mean, Isner's gonna play. He could easily beat Rude, but I, I just Rude doesn't lose to players ranked below him. So, yeah. Okay. So, what are we gonna do if Sitsipas? I mean, sorry. What are we gonna do if Novak wins this whole thing? <laughs> Well, when Novak wins this whole thing, because there's literally no way he's losing. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 at a certain point, I think you got to buy in because it, we are going to see something that's historic. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I mean, I always enjoy watching teams that I don't like win the championship just because it's, it's an accomplishment that they've strived for their whole life and Novak is a psychotic human and this is his lifetime goal he win the calendar slam um he'll get the 21 slams to put him on top of everybody um I wish it was somebody else but that's just an impressive feat I don't know I wish it was somebody else to see it but I glad I'm glad that I can see it in general. Yeah. So um, I'm less, uh, I should say, I'm less, how how should I say it? I'm less inclined to root for it to happen for history's sake with him losing the Olympics. Like if he had won the Olympics and Mm -hmm. we were going for the Golden Slam, Mm -hmm. I would actually be kind of into that narrative and to see that in my lifetime. Yeah. Calendar Slam doesn't as excite me as much. Calendar uh-huh. Slam doesn't excite me as much, uh, just because I feel like uh, it is cool to see the greatness. But he's just at another level, and I don't think that he's been challenged all that much by the rest of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's one thing to do it with like against the, when there's other players who are as good. You know what I mean? It's like when he's he's in a tier of his own. So in a way, it's like he's just beating players he should beat. So yeah, that to me sullies it a little bit, but um, also I don't like Novak that much. So yeah, if it I mean, was like Medvedev doing it, I I would be like, oh, this is gonna be oh, awesome. Yeah, exactly. So I was just thinking now, like even what I said, like I'd still be happy for Novak if he, if he won. Wouldn't be ecstatic for myself, but and obviously going into that match, if it's Med versus Novak, I'll be rooting for Med all day. Uh, I won't be too pissed, I guess, if Novak won. Because 
I really just don't like him. But I, I still just think that's just an amazing feat in itself. It is. It, it'll be cool to see it. Um, doesn't happen all that often. So, uh, all right, Derek, uh, we've pretty much said it all about the U.S. Open. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, follow our Twitter account for this podcast, at MP9Tennis. We will be posting free board plays, all tournament. Uh, we've had winning tournaments. Uh, the last two slams uh, didn't have a great uh, run-up to the French. Uh, but we've turned it around. The board has a winning record, so uh, we know what we're talking about a little bit. We're not uh, coming at it aggressively. You don't need to give us 50 likes for the free plays to unlock it. Uh, eventually, we will have a Patreon, but that'll just be for fun to build the community as we go along here. Um, I- I'm uh, at Carl Jr. is my regular account, but uh, please follow at MP9 Tennis. Talk to us. Engage with us. Tell us we suck. Tell us we are... <laughs> Uh, enjoyable either way we have a lot of fun talking tennis so uh and we're we're texting every day about it so uh and chances are we're tracking the scores no matter what time of day so feel free to interact at any time uh derek uh, anything you want to say uh nothing but except that it's going to be a fun two weeks so we're going to be online hit us up tweet at us like like david said even if it's negative tweets just do it if you want to talk about stupid serve bots do it if you want to talk about uh like antony hong let's do it <laughs> i don't care let's talk tennis so have fun out there for the next two weeks at the u.s open yeah enjoy uh this last slam of the year as where the calendar is uh the pages are turning time is running out on this season uh, and then we're going to be on a bit of a break but uh this podcast will keep going And uh, until next time, see you on the court.